Well, good morning, everybody, and thank you so very much for joining us this morning for our time of worship. And as you're there online, if you would just do me a favor, if you appreciate our music ministry for the efforts that they're making to lead worship, if you would just right there where you're at, would you just um, do an emoji, a hand clap emoji, or say amen, or just say thank you, or something like that, just to let them know that you appreciate them. They Listen, we all know that it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his glory. But nonetheless, every once in a while, it's cool to hear that. And also that'll give us a way to know who's there and who's who's watching, who's engaging. Um, we definitely would love for you to do that just to say thank you. So whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on Facebook, we would appreciate you doing that. And this morning we are going to be starting a new series. And this new series is dealing with the fruit of the spirit. And what I have entitled the series is in season, in season season. I was reading a report the other day and it's from Barna and he's a statistician. And what he wrote was this, it was just the title. I would, I didn't actually read the report. I just read the title and it just stuck out to me. And it said this, that there are more people in the United States who believe in Satan than who believe in God. Now, I, I just want you to let that sink in for a moment, that there are more people in the United States that believe in the existence of a devil than there are people who believe in the existence of a God. And the reason why I bring that up is because it should show us the importance of us being a fruitful people, of us being a people who are in season. And I don't know about you, but whenever I want to eat a specific kind of fruit, like I, I enjoy mangoes and things like that, you got to get a mango that is in season because you get a mango that's out of season, eh, not so good. How about avocados, right? Like avocados, you get an avocado that's out of season or you want avocados and it's not avocados season. Come on, man. You're eating some small, tiny. They're not good. But when you get an avocado, when you get a mango that is in a season, the flavors are different. And what I want you to understand, if you're a believer here that is listening today, is that you need to be a person who is in season. The scriptures tell us, and I shared this last week, that we are supposed to be ready in and out of season. So in the opportune times and in the not so opportune times, we are supposed to be in season season ready to share the hope that we have. And I don't think that Peter, when he's writing that, is trying to say that there's seasons that Christians are in season or out of season. No, no, no. He's just talking about the different times. But as believers, we are supposed to be in season. We are supposed to always be bearing fruit. And now I realize, right? that we are all in different seasons of our lives. We're all going through different things in our lives. But here is what I want you to know is that God wants you to bear fruit no matter what season you are in. And so that's what we're going to deal with for the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about us being in season. And what I want to say is that we are living in prophetic times. And what do I mean by prophetic times? We're living in times that the writers of the scriptures, and if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to grab it. We're going to go through a lot of scripture today. And as I'm talking about the scriptures, I just want to say this really quickly. Look, digital stuff is really cool. Having audiobooks is really great. I love to use audiobooks. It helps me to stay focused. It allows me to read more, at least listen more. But here's the one thing that I realized. There's nothing like holding a Bible in your hand, turning the pages, sitting down with God, being able to say, Lord, speak to me. There's something more intimate where there's nothing ever going to pop up to distract you at any moment. And what I believe more than anything is that we need to have a moment 
happen in our lives, in our day, where we are not distracted by anything else. And so if you grab your Bible, if you would open it to the book of Matthew chapter 7. And what I was saying is that when we think about the prophetic writers, when we think about those who were writers of the scriptures, these were people who were writing hundreds, thousands of years ago, and they were writing about the times that we're living in. And last week, if you missed the sermon last week, I encourage you to go back to our archive and you can check it out. But but the one thing that Peter was communicating or, or that Paul was communicating to Timothy, he was communicating that there was going to come a time where people were going to walk away from the truth, that most people would walk away from the truth. And we are living in those prophetic times. More now, now more than ever, we are seeing how clearly it is that we need God more than any other season. And I just gave you the reason more than any other season, we must be fruitful people. We must be not just fruitful, but I will say this. We need to be fruit inspectors. We need to be those who are looking at the fruit in the lives of others who call themselves believers. Listen, Everybody who calls himself a Christian is not a Christian. Everybody who says they're a believer doesn't believe this Bible. Everybody who says they're a follower of Christ is not really following Jesus. And so what I want to challenge you to do is two things. Number one, look at your own fruit. Check the fruit of your life. As we go through this series for the next few weeks, I want to challenge you to check the fruit of your heart. Check the fruit of your life. Make sure that as we go through these different fruit of the Spirit, that you are looking internally, introspectively, and you're saying, man, is my life bearing the fruit that it should be bearing? Or, or do I need to grow in this area? And here's the thing. I would hope that in some areas you're saying, amen, God is working in me. What I would hope is that if you're a follower of Christ, that you would be able to say, man, God has dealt with me. I used to be this way. Now I'm this way. I'm seeing the fruit that is being manifested in my life. But then I would say this as well. As we go through this list, there should be some areas where you're like, man, I got to grow in that area. This area, I really need to grow. I really need to be strengthened. I really need my faith to be built in this area. I really need to grow. So I want to encourage you to be introspective. Don't just look at other people, but look at yourself as well. And so if you have your Bible there to the book of Matthew, I want you to read. You can read along with me. And here's what the scripture says. Matthew chapter seven. We're going to read from verse 15 to verse 20. And it says this. Beware of false prophets. That word beware is important. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs or from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you right now and we humble our hearts before you today. And we ask you, God, speak to our hearts. Change our lives, remove distractions from our minds, and may you be glorified in our time together. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen, amen. I want you to think about this this morning. A fruitful life honors God and produces life to others. A fruitful life honors God and produces life for others. Some years ago, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. And I said, who is this fruit for? Is this fruit for me? 
Or is this fruit for someone else? And I came to this conclusion that when we talk about the fruit of our lives, that the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, it is not for us to consume. Think about it this way. If you look at a tree, you don't see a tree eating its own apples. If you look at a tree that bears bananas, you don't see the tree eating its own bananas. There are others who partake of the fruit from that tree. It is the same thing for you and I if we're followers of Jesus. Our fruit is number one for God's glory. It glorifies and honors God. The second thing that is a reality is that the fruit that we bear is for others. It produces life for others. And so the same way that the fruits of this world that are natural produce life for us, well, the reality is what? Is that the fruit of the Spirit produces life for others. You see, one of the things that I believe, the reason why that statistic is sticking out there, that more people believe in Satan than they believe in God, is because they haven't seen enough fruit. They haven't witnessed enough good fruit coming from the church, from the, the life of God that's supposed to come through us. Jesus says something in one of the scriptures that is one of my favorite, favorite texts is John chapter 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. My father is the vine dresser. And he goes on to communicate in that text. He tells us that we can do nothing apart from him, but that if we're connected to him, that we will bear fruit. And so we are called to be a fruitful people. See, you can't deny fruit. See, you, I could go and tell somebody, hey man, check this out. Look at this tree over here. This tree over there is, is an apple tree. And I could tell them all day long about this apple tree. But you know what happens? If I walk over there and that tree has no apples on it, I'm going to have a hard time convincing him it's an apple tree. However... If I go on ahead and I decide that I am going to walk over to an apple tree that has apples on it, I don't even got to explain anything. I don't have to say, hey, that's an apple tree. You know why? Because the apples are coming forth. And so just remember this, that if you live a fruitful life, your life is going to bring honor to God and, and you are going to be the demonstration of the life, of the reality, of the truth of God. When people see you, when people hear you, you know what they're going to do? They are going to, they are going to look at you and they are going to say, man, that, that, that person there, there is a life that is in them that I don't know about. There's something in them that I don't know about. So the first point I'd like to make this morning and I want you to think about is this, is fruit must matter to us more than flash. Fruit must matter to us more than flash. What do I mean by flash? Listen, I was thinking about fishing the other day. And as I was thinking about fishing, I was, as I was preparing this message, the one thing that came to my mind is I thought about lures. And think about that word for a moment, lures. And what these lures do is they lure in the fish. And, and, and some lures have shiny stuff on them. So that way when the light hits them, they begin to sparkle and they draw the attention of the fish. And then the fish runs after this fake thing. The fish isn't running after something that is real. The fish is now running after something that is going to be the end of his life. And so you and I, if you're a Christian, listen, if you're a Christian, especially you need to be careful of, of what you are saying is God or who you are saying is godly. And if you're not a Christian, let me tell you, think about it this way. Don't look at everything that flashes and just assume, oh, well, I guess that's Christian. I guess that's God because not everything that flashes is God. And as a matter of fact, as I said earlier, the words that Jesus said were very clear. And so look at that verse again, verse 15 and verse 16a. It says this, beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, 
But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. See, here's the thing. The New Testament warns us of false prophets, false Christ, false teachers, false apostles. And these are all marks of the last days. So the scriptures give us an indication of how we will know that we are in the last days. And it's because we will see false Christ. We will see false saviors. We will see false teachers and false apostles that will be rising up. And you want to know something? People are looking for answers. It's especially in this day and in this hour, in this time in which we are living, guess what? People are looking for answers. People want to know what's going on. But can I tell you something? I want you to know this. I really believe firmly that people are asking the wrong questions. See, a lot of times people are looking for answers and typically the answer that everybody has, and it's amazing to me because no matter how old you get, when you were two years old, when you were three years old, when you were four years old, you started asking a question. Why? That was the question. You didn't know the answer. And every time someone told you something that was new information, guess what your question was? Why? Or every time, because it wasn't just about new information, but it also was about what? It was about when someone told you something you didn't want to hear. When someone told you something that you didn't want to do, all of a sudden you were asking the question, well, why? Why, 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 why can't I do this? Or why is it that way? And you know what happens? It's amazing because that why question never leaves us. That why question sticks with us. But can I tell you something? I don't believe why is typically the right, the, the right question. I believe the right question is typically number one, who, and number two, what? So what I mean by this is this, is that when we are asking the questions, we are asking God, not God, why are you doing this? Or why aren't you doing this? But it should be, you know what? Who is the one who is in control? Who is the one who is on the throne? Who is the one who is behind what is going on? Is God doing something? Is the enemy at work? Is what, what is happening? So we need to know who, but I would also say what? Because what is it that God is trying to teach you? What is it that God is trying to show you? You see, here's the thing that happens. Whenever our, our friends, our family members, whenever they have questions, guess what the enemy does? The enemy is like an opportunistic politician. Come on now. What the enemy does is he looks at that moment of vulnerability, he looks at that moment of the question why, and he or she tries to enter in and give you the answer. They try to fix whatever it is. Well, the enemy does the same thing. He's an opportunist. And what he does is he comes and he tries to fill the void. But I want you to check out this scripture in the book of Matthew, because if you don't think that I'm telling you that what I'm saying about the last days is true, look at what Jesus said, speaking specifically about the last days in Matthew chapter 24. In verse 11, it says this, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now, hold on a second. The love of many will grow cold. Why does that matter? Because love is part of the fruit of the spirit. And so what happens is the love that is, that is supposed to be abounding, the love that is supposed to be overflowing, it grows cold. People get bitter. They become distanced. They, listen, they don't need COVID to social distance. Come on now. They just start social distancing because what? They start social distancing because the love in their heart has grown cold. Come on now. You know, when you get hurt, you don't want to just go and hug someone. You, you've been 
in an argument with your spouse, with your parents, with your kids. And when, and when that moment of tension and friction comes, it's not automatic. Hey, let's just hug. Let's just love each other. No. What do we want to do? We want to step back. We need to take a moment. We don't want to embrace each other. Well, here's the thing. The same thing happens in the times when we're going through hardship, when we're going through difficulty, when we are experiencing the difficulties that Jesus said, when deception begins to grow, when lawlessness abounds, when people are living sinfully the way that they want to live, the love of many grows cold. And then what happens is this statistic that we just talked about earlier of people believing there's a devil because they're seeing wickedness they're not seeing the overflow of love, then what begins to happen? What begins to happen is people start questioning things. And then here's what happens. Look at this. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Verse 13. And it goes on to say, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Notice what happens. False prophets rise up and the gospel begins to be preached. These two things are literally happening at the same time. Listen, if you're paying attention, that's what's happening right now. The gospel is being preached and false prophets are rising up. And what do false prophets do? False prophets give false hope. That's what they do. Whether it's false hope that God is, if you come to God, everything's going to be okay. That's just not true. I wish it was true. Listen, I wish when you came to God that God would wave a magic wand and all of your life would be perfect. You'd never experience hardship again. But you know what the truth is? The truth of the matter is God doesn't promise that you won't have hardship. On the contrary, he promises hardship. Anyone who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus is going to experience tribulation, is going to experience persecution. Those are realities that we are going to experience. And so what we have to realize is what? Is that we are in this place. We are in this time right now where the gospel is being proclaimed, where the life, the liberty, the power of God is being offered and giving people real hope. That's what we want to do here at Core Faith. We want to engage you where you are. We want to come to your living room to your car, to your workplace, on your run, on your walk, in your workout, wherever. We want to be there with you and we want to engage you, but we also want to build your faith on the solid rock, which is Jesus. We want to build your faith upon the one who lived a perfect life and who died a sacrificial death in your place and guarantees you a relationship with God, not because of your goodness, but because of his goodness, because of his mercy, because of his grace. But as that same message is being proclaimed, there's another message of false hope that, listen, if you just think positive, everything's going to be okay. If you just focus in on that good stuff, if you just think better about yourself, if you just think you're amazing, if you just think you're awesome, then everything's going to be great. Listen, that is a lie from the pits of hell. I'm not telling you you're not good because God made you good. He put his image in you. But what I am telling you is that you are not the best thing since sliced bread. And anybody who tells you that is lying to you. They're giving you a false sense of hope. They're giving you a false hope and God wants you to have a real hope. And here's what, here's what you got to get. When Jesus gives this warning about these prophets, know this prophets only matter when people are, are looking for questions to be answered. Our world wants answers. And here's what I would say is that we need true prophetic voices to rise up in this very hour from within the church. Hear what I'm saying. We need true prophetic voices to rise up in the church in this very hour. You might be on here and be like, what on earth is a prophetic voice? 
Well, what a prophetic voice is, it is a person who is inspired by the Spirit of God. It is a person who is moved by God. And you know where that comes from? That comes from a life of prayer. That comes from a, a life of being in God's Word. That comes from a life of being in God's presence. That is how you and I are able to, to, to experience this use that God wants to do, to bring this prophetic voice through you and through I. Because you know what, church? Hey, he hear me when I say this. We are living in a time of despair. We are living in a time of discouragement. We are living in a time of darkness. And when you and I become the prophetic voice that God wants us to be, guess what? We begin to shine the light in the midst of the darkness. This world desperately needs the lights to shine in the midst of its darkness. We need a voice crying out, calling people to the Savior, calling Him to calling them to a relationship with Him. The second thing I'd like you to think about this morning is that real fruit cannot be fabricated. It must be cultivated. Real fruit cannot be fabricated. It must be cultivated. Notice what he said. Beware of false prophets who come to you in, in clothing of sheep, in sheep's clothing. They come to you with a fabrication of Christianity. They come to you playing dress up. But I love what Jesus does here. If you look down at your, at your scriptures here, verse 16, it says, you will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. He's transitioning his thought here. He says this, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In other words, there's a place where you get grapes. There's a place where you get figs. And it's not among the thorn bushes. It's not among the thistles, but it is from a specific place. Even so, look what he says, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Notice the change of metaphor. Jesus went from saying, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. And then he changes to trees that are bearing fruit. You want to know why? Because you don't wear fruit, you bear fruit. Let me say that again. You don't wear fruit, you bear fruit. In other words, it's not just about putting on your Sunday best. It's not just about acting a certain way. It's not just about uh, um, learning a terminology. No, no, no. It is about a heart transformation. It is about God changing your heart. It's about God changing your life. That's what it's about. It's about God bringing change to you that is in your heart, that, that causes you to live differently, causes you to think differently. See, when we're overly concerned with the outside appearance, guess what? We miss the power of the gospel. When we become overly concerned with the outside appearance, we miss the power of the gospel. Listen, God wants to change your heart. The only way that your heart is changed is by surrender to Jesus, is by submission to the gospel. See, when it comes to fruit, here's the thing. Fruit must be inspected. Our fruit must be inspected. I said it earlier. It must be inspected and it must be tested. And so what does Jesus do? If you just look at your Bible and you can look down at your scriptures here, and, and, and here, here's what I want you to realize, is that Jesus begins this, this ending of the Sermon on the Mount, because that's where this, this is coming from. And as he's ending the Sermon on the Mount, he starts off talking about what? About two different, two different paths, a wide path and a narrow path, a wide gate and a narrow gate. 
And so he's giving them some tests. And then he goes on and he says, and hey, what about the fruit of your life? You got to test some things. And so two things you can test. Now, now, here's how you test if you know the gospel has taken residence in you. First of all, what did it cost you to follow Jesus? In other words, what path are you on? See, because here's the thing, when you and I begin to follow Christ, you know what happens? We begin to take a different path. We begin to take a different direction. If we don't, then we have to question, man, did, did it cost me anything? Did I have to leave some stuff in order to follow Jesus? I hope so. But the second thing that he does when he brings up the fruit side of it is, is what has changed in me? That's the second question. So the first question is, what did it cost me to come to Jesus? The second one is, what has changed in me? In other words, what fruit am I bearing? That's what we're talking about in this series. What fruit are you bearing? What is coming out of your life? See, here's the thing. Just as it takes time to cultivate a plant, it takes time to cultivate your character. That's where the fruit comes from. It's not an overnight thing. It doesn't just happen because someone lays hands on you. Listen, I can lay hands on you. I can pray for you. Somebody that you know that may be sitting next to you, they can lay hands on you. They can pray for you. And God may deliver you instantaneously from a stronghold in your life. I believe God is able to do that. But here's the thing that I know is that having a, a deliverance moment from God is not the equivalent of growing up in maturity in God. There's a difference. One of them can happen in a moment. There are certain things God wants to deliver you from instantaneously. And listen, if you're watching me, I want you to know this. If there is anything that you're struggling with, any stronghold in your life, you need to believe that God is able to set you free from that thing right now in the name of Jesus. If you will confess that sin to God and you will ask God to bring deliverance, to bring healing to your heart, then the beauty of this is that God will set you free. God will transform you. God will transform your heart. But here's the thing. You still got to grow in your relationship with God. You still got to grow in your character. You still got to grow as a young man, young woman, as an older man, older woman in God. You still got to grow in the character of God because that is where the fruit comes from. And one more verse I want to look at here is in Luke chapter six. And so Luke chapter six, it communicates something that's pretty important and pretty powerful. And, and it is, it is a culmination of this verse, but it says a key point that Matthew doesn't record. It says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Now listen to this for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So here's what I want you to think about this morning. What are you treasuring in your heart? What, 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 what do you value in your life? Because that is what is going garbage in garbage out. That's the idea. So whatever is going on inside of you, whatever is happening inside of your heart, whatever you value, whatever you treasure, those are the things that are going to come out of your life, either the good or the wicked, whatever it is, either the godliness or the things that are not godly. Those are the things that are going to be manifested in your life. The third thing that I would like you to think about this morning is we must choose between fruit that last and fruit that's fast. We must choose between fruit that last and fruit that is fast. I want you to notice what Jesus says here in verse 19. He says in verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. You know, fire burns quickly, don't you? 
It's fast. It burns. Fire consumes. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. And so Jesus is calling his disciples. And you and I, if you're a follower of Christ, you're a disciple of Jesus. And he calls us to consider these things. He calls us to think about what kind of fruit are people bearing around me? And what kind of fruit am I bearing? See, when the New Testament authors speak of bearing fruit, they speak of different things. They speak of evangelism as a type of fruitfulness. They speak of discipleship. They speak of stewardship. They speak of all these different things. Worship as a fruit of your lips unto the Lord. And so the New Testament speaks of some different types of fruit. But for this series in the next few weeks, we are going to focus on one specific type of fruit. And that is the fruit of the spirit that we find in the book of Galatians. And so if you have your Bible, again, you can turn to Galatians chapter five and we're going to read a few verses here, and here's what it says. I want you to, I want you to hear this because in the first part of this verse, from verse 19, verse 20, but there you're going to see the fast fruit. You're going to see the fruit that is consumed quickly. But then this is the last part of the verse that we're going to focus on the next few weeks, and that is the fruit that lasts. And here's what it says. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident, that's verse 19, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. I encourage you on your own time to go back, look over these verses, look at, look up what those words mean, because those are the fast fruit. He goes on and he says, this is so important of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. Because if you are living in any of those things, if envy is rooted in your heart, if sexual immorality is rooted in your heart, if revelry, drunkenness is rooted in your heart, listen, you are in danger of not experiencing the kingdom of God. You're in danger of not coming into the beauty and the glory of God and experiencing judgment from God. That's fast fruit. That's what fast fruit does. But he goes on and he says this. He says, but the fruit of the spirit, verse 22, is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. God wants us, as His sons and daughters, to walk in the Spirit. And if you're not His son or His daughter yet, today is the day He wants you to become His son or His daughter. All you have to do is cry out to Him and say, God, I believe that your son died for me. God, I believe that your son rose again. God, I believe that I am a sinner who needs a savior. God, I believe that you can give me new life. Cry out to him like that and he will give you new life. And then you'll be able to apply this to your life. But here's the truth. The truth is that if we are followers of Christ, then the fruit of the spirit should be evident within our lives. See, here's the thing. We either choose to eat the fruit or we choose to be the fruit. We either choose to eat the fruit or we choose to be the fruit. Think back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had a choice. They could either eat the fruit or they could be the fruit. 
They could either eat the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good of good and evil, or they could be the fruit that God wanted them to be. They chose the former. They chose to eat the fruit instead of be the fruit. Listen, I hope that you would choose to be the fruit, not eat the fruit of this world, but be the fruit that this world needs. This world needs the fruit, the love, the joy, the peace, the long suffering, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control. This world needs to see that fruit. It needs to partake of the fruit that God wants you and I to bear. Here's the thing. The enemy offers us the fast fruit all the time. He offers us the fast fruit all of the time. And he offers it to us because he wants to do what? He wants to itch our ears. That's what false teachers do. He wants to tickle our inside. He wants to make us feel good for the moment. But you know what the enemy does? He overpromises and underdelivers. He overpromises. He promises satisfaction. He promises that you're going to have joy. You're going to have happiness. You're going to have peace when you do that thing that you know you shouldn't do. But you know what? Anybody who's ever eaten of that fruit knows that fruit doesn't last. That's why you got to keep on going back to it over and over and over again. It's not just the reality of those who are addicted to drugs and things like that, because they keep going back to it over and over again, because getting drunk one time, getting high one time, doing that one time, that wasn't enough. But the reality is what? The reality is that we are in a situation right now where the enemy is offering us all the time quick fixes to real issues in our lives. But you know what Jesus does? He offers us the real solution to the real issues of our life. And they're found in his presence and they are found in his words. See, the question is this. Do you want to live your life for temporal glory or eternal glory? Do you want to live your life for momentary satisfaction or everlasting satisfaction? Think about that for a moment, right where you're at. Do you want to live your life? Do you want to live your life for momentary glory or for eternal glory? Do you want to live your life for the glory of God? Or do you want to live your life for just momentary satisfaction? Not, not eternal satisfaction of our soul. That's what God wants us to live for. My closing question for you is this. I want you to think about this. Are you ready for God to inspect the fruit of your life? Are you ready for God to inspect the fruit of your life? You see, the reason why I want you to think about that question, don't just answer and say, yep, I'm ready. No, no, no. I want, I want you to realize this. As you continue on in that passage in Matthew chapter 7, the next portion that Jesus speaks, he says these words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Did you catch that? It is he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you, you, you who practice lawlessness. Can I tell you why that verse is so scary? It's scary because these people were doing Christian things. As a matter of fact, they were doing extraordinary, supernatural Christian things. They were prophesying. They were casting out demons. They were doing great works in the name of the Lord. But, but while that's scary, let me tell you what is the most scary. Look at that verse again, because notice what it says. Many. To me, that's the scariest part of that verse because it says many, it doesn't say some, it doesn't say a few, it says many. So you know what that means? 
That means there's a lot of people that think they're ready for God to inspect the fruit of their life. They're really not ready. Listen, today's the day that you can get ready. But you have to humble your heart before God. You have to get real with God. Listen, right where you are, maybe you're sitting down on a couch next to your spouse. Maybe you need to go and pull a chair to the side so that way you can just bow your heart before God. Maybe you're on a treadmill somewhere. You need to get off that treadmill. Maybe you're on an elliptical machine. Maybe you're on a bike trail. You need to pull over. You need to stop whatever you're doing and let God speak to your heart right now. Are you ready for him to measure and to inspect the fruit of your life? Listen, some of you have jobs that you have inspectors that come and check stuff. There is no inspector like the Almighty. There is no inspector who knows everything that's going on inside of your heart. There is no inspector who knows everything that is happening inside of you. And so listen, I don't want this to just fall on deaf ears. I want you to search your heart. I want you to search your heart. Let God show you. Be real with God in this moment. And as I pray for you, I want you to pray and humble your heart before the Lord. And I say this with all sincerity. If you need prayer, please email me at bishop at corefaithchurch.org. If you want to know more about a relationship with Jesus, email me at bishop at corefaithchurch.org or instant message us if you're on Facebook right now or send us a message via um, YouTube. However you do it, please don't let this moment pass. Let's pray. Father God, right now, in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, I pray, Father, for every person that is hearing this message. I pray that if their hearts were pricked by your Holy Spirit, I pray if their hearts were twisted by your Holy Spirit, I pray that they would not ignore you today, but that today, God, that they would decide to follow you that they would no longer run, that they would surrender to you. God, that you would break strongholds in lives today. That those lives that have been hindered by addiction, by alcoholism, by sexual immorality, by envy, by hatred, by unforgiveness, God, break those things in these lives in the name of Jesus. Father, give new life to those that are crying out to you right now. And Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters. I pray for your church. God, may we have fruit in our lives as individuals, and may we bear fruit abundantly as your body. Father, I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And hey, one more time. If you need prayer, please reach out to us. We want to pray for you, and we want, and we want to follow up with you. God bless you.